and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, redeemed, like last Sunday, the gospel for this day places us once again in the temple at Jerusalem. And through the words of a parable, Jesus reveals to us that two men went up into the temple to pray. The one, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. And yet only one of these two men go home justified. That is, declared righteous before God. Now Jesus comparing a Pharisee and a tax collector to one another doesn't really come as a surprise to us. Throughout the Gospels, we often see Jesus doing this and speaking to these two groups. Yet, if you were in the culture in which Jesus spoke, his words would be shocking. It's as if Jesus came to us today and said, a beloved grandma and a corrupt politician walk into Bethlehem Lutheran Church to pray. On the one hand, you have somebody who's loved by all, admired by all, because of their good works. And then on the other hand, you have someone who doesn't even deserve the time of day. The fact that these two individuals, whose outward lives are vastly different, walk into a church to pray would be quite surprising, wouldn't it? And so it is with the parable for this day. A Pharisee and a tax collector go up into the temple. Now what we know about Pharisees, Pharisees were laymen. They were so-called experts in the law. The name Pharisee means separated. They separated themselves from others. They didn't associate with people beneath them. They were considered morally and spiritually superior to the rest of Jewish society because of their strict adherence to the law of Moses and also the tradition of the Jews. Now, in the text this morning, we hear that this Pharisee prays thus, God, I thank you, I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. Now where pious Pharisees fasted 12 times a year, this Pharisee fasted 104 times a year. Where the Old Testament tithes were that of oil and grain and wine, this Pharisee gives tithes on everything that he gets. Additionally, we're told that this Pharisee isn't an extortioner. He's, un he's not unjust, an adulterer. And in an age where fornication, adultery are defended by the world, where in an age where people get their power by lying and cheating and stealing and get away with it, well, you would want somebody like this as your neighbor, wouldn't you? You'd want somebody like this as your employee or an employer, wouldn't you? I would think so. Ultimately, this Pharisee outwardly appears 
righteous, and holy. The tax collector, on the other hand, well, he's kind of considered the lowlife of society. He worked for the government. They usually charged people more in taxes than what they really owed in order to get rich. Ultimately, a more despicable way of making a living is hard to imagine. And so, the difference between this Pharisee and this tax collector is night and day. Because of his outward works, well, we would expect that the Pharisee is the one who goes home justified. That is declared righteous. And yet that's not the case. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, that is the tax collector, went to his home justified rather than the other. This also means that the Pharisee, the righteous, holy Pharisee, well, he went to his home Condemned in his sin. Now, why is that? Well, first and foremost, it's important to understand that as Christians, we don't reject good works. Good works are necessary. They're necessary because they follow faith. Consider the epistle for this day. St. Paul writes... For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is a gift from God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. And he goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so as Christians, we pray. We pray because God not only commands us to pray, but he promises to hear our prayer. As Christians, there are times where we fast. We do this to discipline our bodies so that we may devote ourselves to God's word and to prayer. As Christians, we tithe. We tithe in order to give back a portion of that which God has given to us. All that we have is from God. And so as Christians, we don't reject good works. Good works are necessary in that they follow faith. The problem is trusting in them for our eternal salvation. The Pharisee trusted in himself. He trusted in his works. While his prayer was addressed to God, he didn't really pray to God. Instead, he focused solely upon himself. He places before God his good works. He compares himself to other men, exalting himself and despising others. And yet trusting in his own merit and works, He stands before God alone, without a Savior, without a Redeemer, which is needful for sinful man 
to be justified, declared righteous before God. The tax collector, on the other hand, didn't trust in himself. Through God's law, he was convicted of his sins. In shame, he stands away from others. He wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. He continually beats his breast, suggesting a continual state of repentance. In his prayer to God, he confesses that he's a sinner. He sees only him, his sin. He compares himself to no one else. His request to God is this. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Literally what this means is be propitiated to me. Now this word propitiate is an important word in scripture. One that we should all learn by heart. It's a word that means to set aside anger. And yet, how is it that God, who hates sin, who punishes sinner, how is it that God's anger is set aside? It's only through the shedding of blood. It's why the temple was built. The temple is patterned after the Old Testament tent of meeting that contained the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was, of one thing, the Ten Commandments. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was a covering. It was made out of pure gold with an angel, two cherubim, on top of this. Now this covering is called the mercy seat. And once a year, the priest would come in with the sacrificed animal, with its blood, and sprinkle its blood over the mercy seat. And this proclaimed that God's people, that their sins were forgiven. That God's anger is set aside on account of the blood. And it's when the tax collector cries out to God in mercy, he chooses this word that appeals to the blood of the mercy seat. The the word that signifies the sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross. This, uh, This tax collector didn't trust in his good works. He trusts in the blood. And as a result... The tax collector was forgiven all of his sins. He went home justified, declared righteous before God on account of the blood. Fellow redeemed, Jesus spoke this parable to those who trusted in themselves, who looked down on others. And while we naturally want to see ourselves as the tax collector, we must confess that there is, in fact, a little Pharisee living in each and every single one of us because of the sinful flesh. And it's the sinful flesh uh, that we're tempted to compare ourselves to others constantly. You might think that there's no one quite like me. 
with a a quick mind, various talents, good judgment, unique experience, or a caring nature. And the devil comes along and tempts you to puff yourself up before others. And not only before others, but before God himself. The Pharisee did this, declaring his good works, his standing before God. God help each and every single one of us to utterly despair of ourselves, of our own righteousness, of our goodness. God help us to see our sin and how far we fall short of God's holiness. God help us to cry out as this text collector, God be merciful to me, a sinner. God, help us to utterly depend upon the unblemished Lamb, that is, Jesus Christ, the one who spoke that parable thousands of years ago, but also speaks this parable to you today. Jesus would eventually render the temple useless, obsolete, because of his crucifixion on the altar of the cross. Through his perfect obedience, through his innocent suffering and death on the cross, Jesus appeased his Father's wrath against your sins. And risen from the grave three days later, he speaks words of peace, words of sins forgiven. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, as St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans. Fellow redeemed, the crucified, risen, and ascended Savior, Jesus Christ is here today to send you home justified, declared righteous before God. And yet the struggle between Satan and sinner continues, doesn't it? Your conscience is the main battleground where this battle takes place. Satan continually seeks to either lift yourself up in sinful pride or to lead you in despair. God, on the other hand, seeks to have you see that you are a sinner. And not only that, but you are cleansed through the blood of Christ. And this is why you come to church, to the house of the Lord. You don't come here offering up to God your own good works, your own merit by your own reason or strength. You come to meet Jesus in the blood. The body nailed to the cross, the blood shed for the forgiveness of sins is given and received here by sinners who can offer to God nothing more than what this tax collector says. God Be merciful to me, a sinner. This is our cry. O redeemed, don't make excuses. Don't pass the blame. Don't compare yourselves to others. Don't toss before God's eyes the good that you've done, the good works that you imagine will outweigh the bad works that you've done. Come and confess your sins to God. And lay claim to the blood of Christ Jesus shed for you. 
And it's here where you have the promise that your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. And when Jesus tells you that your sins are forgiven, you can believe Him. And you can go home to your house justified, declared righteous before God. God be praised. Amen. Peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.